assalamu alaikum assalamu alaikum thank you very much chief for joining the fight webinar welcome welcome we are going to begin a conversation a fourth conversation on education before nadeem i bhai we can't hear you please uh, louder we can't hear you nadeem bhai you can you hear me now is that better hello yeah that is better chale ji welcome to the fight webinar we are going to start our fourth conversation on uh, education We've had three before. I'll quickly summarize those, and then we'll move forward to um, do a uh, what do you call it? Um, you know, um, to discuss. We got. So let me begin. As soon as my computer allows. Okay. Thanks, folks. So first thing, let's mute our mics. Let the speakers first. speak and then you can obviously all of you will have a chance to speak we will get everybody to speak this is a bit of housekeeping we always show this um cartoon because we should be clear, clear on our history that we got the imf riding our back and loans in front of us and the scraggy landscape and we are just running helter skelter without really thinking so that is a very important point that i would all like you to bear in mind uh fourth webinar uh, fourth webinar on education you can see the timetable the first one is education paradigm then the role of government and public private partnerships today we are going to look at technology tomorrow we'll do the unified curriculum so we've got a good panel today we've got um you know um mahboob mahmood founder of the of knowledge platform then we've got zulfikar fazlbash who runs a ngo as well as a as a um Uh, technology um, consulting firm, and you can see our panel. We've got a large number of people. We've invited almost every education expert in the country. Today, I must add, we also have Mansoor Malik joining us. Mansoor Malik joining us, former DG Nast, who's also going to talk. But we've got our usual roundtable. We've invited almost every educationist in the country. now sadly some of them join some of them don't this is a part of our participatory culture that i talk about every day i wish we could establish a better uh, participatory culture but we don't um shafkat mahmood has kindly consented to be our partner um the ministry of education is our partner balochistan idsp is our partner we like to have partners on our webinars so we've got partners on of the two i would like to hold a webinar one day with all our universities as partners it doesn't cost anything to be a partner there is no loss of reputation or anything being a partner but unfortunately some people are reticent so we won't play shafkat's message we played it the first day I'll try and save time and hear you people. But Shafkat sent a lovely message saying he's very keen. The minister sent a lovely message saying he's very keen for us to work uh, to do this. I'm. I'd also like to show you. We would like to show this. We like to show this every day. We have a history of IMF history, a loan history, and that is very important. That we have had so many loans in our history. We uh, taking an IMF loan as being an emergency ward of the world and. our country has been in emergency ward the most and we should keep that in mind why are we in emergency ward all the time we also have a number of education policies we have an education policy of 5 years and i think we should all consider why do we have an, why do we have an education policy every 5 years most countries have a policy once a decade once in two or three decades um in fact never once a decade more than two or three decades they take a long time to change a policy we change it like old underwear but then we asked 
some of our guests, our educationists, the famous people, they said they don't even know what these policies are. They don't even read them. So this is something we should think about very clearly. We should also bear in mind that our long-run growth is declining. We are a declining country. We are not a progressive, upward-moving country. Related to that is the issue that our education rate is declining all the time. We have, and it's, a, it's a one of the lowest in the world. We also have done a number of roundtables and webinars on many things because we like to learn about our economy. I think we should all try and learn our about our economy, but we don't know enough. We've learned that policy inconsistency and poor development, poor policy development is a huge problem. Transactions costs in doing everything are high. Market development is very poor. Overregulation is everywhere. Energy is a huge problem. Cities are a huge problem. Markets are a huge problem. Number of things that we've learned and we would like to go into, we published a lot of stuff. It's on our, on our website. So this is a cartoon that I'd like to show again, that we should like to show every webinar. It's from 1950. 1950, Pakistan Times made this cartoon and it talked about our aid dependence then that we are running on crutches made of dollars and our donors are standing at the back and saying, let's keep them addicted to our drug. And that cartoon is still relevant 70 years later. Returns to education, we'd like to also point that out, being an economist, I think, or our economics institute, returns to education in Pakistan are very low. So I don't know why we think that children should get educated because they are not as high as the rest of the world. Why are our returns low? Is it because our curriculum design is bad or is it because our labor market is bad? Are we prescribing the right thing or are we just doing do-gooding? I showed a video in the first day and the video said that we are prescribing, well, not we, he talked about it himself. He said, I was learning Wuthering Heights when the market was learning, uh, teaching me something else. Okay, let me just quickly summarize the debate we had. 19th, we had a debate on um, what is education, which is a good debate, lots to discuss. We learned that the children in our schools or parents don't want the education we give them. There's a very high dropout rate. And this is probably because there's too much centralization, too much ideology, too much citizenship and nation building in our curriculum. Education is not thought of as an investment and social mobility that the poor should get educated and get a good job and move on. We don't recognize that the poor have an opportunity cost, that they spend time learning, they spend hard work learning. And if they don't learn market skills, it's useless to them. We don't see that they volunteer to get educated. We only think that Article 25A should be passed and there should be cheap education, which is absolutely the wrong way to think about it. Teaching is not related to the student's experience. Students are street smart. They go out shopping for their parents. They do chores. They do all kinds of things in the market. But we don't lever that. We teach them unrelated to their experience. Students are voting with their feet. They don't want our education because we rule out their exploration and creativity. Digital world, Facebook, WhatsApp, which illiterate people are using, but we are not using in schools. And that's what we discussed today. Structural schooling remains fixed. Too much concrete with teachers and a heavy emphasis on teachers. There's a deep disagreement on the language issue. Some people want to teach in Urdu and local languages. Others, myself included, don't care about language. Diversity, experimentation, and choice is not there. And we are measuring the wrong things as far as education goes. So this was the first day. The second day, we talked about the role of the government and what it is. Unfortunately, we find out people have wishes and don't understand the role of the government. We found out that policies, just write-ups, unfortunately, it is not well made. 
um, quality, uh, we think that the state can provide everything, but unfortunately, we also hear from many people that the state is not capable of providing everything. Then if the state is not capable of providing everything, why are we asking the state to do more? Education policy seems to be devoid of instruments. It seems to be wishes more than anything else. 14 education policies and we have learned very little. But the other thing is we don't have any evaluation of policies. We have very little M&D. M&D of education is done by donors and international agents. Ministries don't do it. So what do ministries do? Ministries run schools. But if they run schools, how do we have decentralization diversity? So there's a big problem there. What should the ministries be doing? And that's important to think about. In ministries should be focused on M&D and developing long-term policies, but they're not doing that. Regulation, everybody wants schools to be regulated, but again, we think that regulation is going to be done by a benign, all-knowing government. But then we don't have a benign, all-knowing government, so how do we regulate schools? So there's a big, big issue there. How are we going to regulate schools? There is a strong opinion, especially Shanaz was really eloquently pointed out, we should be looking at outputs and not inputs. We should have results-based management, but we measure only school dropout rates and school attendance. We are not measuring their, their outputs, so that's a big thing. There's a strong minority opinion, again, um, that government should be out of the business of schools. Government should be more helping finance and do more um, uh, nurturing education rather than publishing textbooks. Textbook boards are obsolete and and that government should not probably be building schools because their schools don't work. They give the schools over on contract to uh, others to run. There's a strong opinion that local community and parent organization, not government, should run schools. But then the level of participation by our parents and our educationists and our people, we are not a participatory culture. Shahid Kardar pointed out to me in, in a conversation, I hope he's here, he can say it himself, that even in our music, we don't have a participatory culture, we have a listening culture. Whereas in the West, they, everybody sings together. So we should think about those things too. On the 21st yesterday, we talked about the role of the government. And what did we learn? We learned that the private sector has an unfettered control of education and partnership and common goals don't exist. So what did we learn? We learned that the sector is fragmented. Private education is growing. It's a growth industry. But the government has vacillated. We won't say abdicated because Musharraf objected strongly to the word abdicated. And uh, we don't say abdicated because it can't abdicate. Every government fights an election on campaigns on education, but then it has a vacillating role. It makes Pakistan Education Foundation, kills it. It makes Danish schools and kills it. it. makes a policy, kills it. Government is losing share. Private sector, 60% of schools, uh, of children in schools. Private schools are large in supply, and there's a large variety of schools, from rich schools like Beacon House and Grammar School to poor schools. We called um, uh, a person from poor schools uh, yesterday, uh, the president of the foundation. They've got 120,000 poor schools. Quality of schooling varies with, price, uh, varies with price. Of course, the more expensive the school, the better the education. But that means social mobility is low, and we should worry about that. Facilities in schools are poor. Yes, the rich schools have built some purpose-built campuses, but largely there are no purpose-built campuses. And the poor schools are sitting in non-purpose-built campuses and with very poor facilities. Teacher training remains an issue, a big issue. Everybody talks about it, but the poor schools have no ability to do their own teacher training. They asked that this, if the government could do teacher training for them, but the government cannot. Public-private partnerships are too complex for us to do. We can't even manage Royal Palm, leave alone, um, do a public-private partnership for schooling. So it's a huge issue for us. 
we have we would like to develop a collaborative approach between government and education but right now instead of collaboration there's a combative role because the government seems to want to take them on and people also want the conflict between government and school and that's that's not the way to go how do we do collaborative approaches a lot more needs to be done we have 24 taxes on schools and onerous inspections and regulations like textbooks and curriculum that is perhaps not the best way to go both sides need to develop a more thoughtful approach to engagement but unfortunately we don't know how and where there's no think tank on education no thought on education a new partnership on education has to be evolved on active mnd and research but we don't have that government must develop that approach rather than build more central control but unfortunately i don't think the government wants to do that so today we're going to discuss how to harness technology how what and why the tablet and net are they enough should we stop building schools i'm deliberately raising provocative issues we need to think about that the khan academy online learning is now 13 or 14 years old are we too late can we merely take khan and forget about building schools why are we wasting money on brick and mortar can we forget about teachers are teachers and schools obsolete can we jump start accelerate leapfrog a quality problem growth will not happen development will not happen if we accept these three if we don't accept these three words jump start accelerate and leapfrog these are the words of the 21st century we must use them is technology a quality panacea these are things that i think today we should take up are we adopting technology fast enough i'm not sure what are the constraints do we have widespread use of the net do we have widespread instruments for example the government has put a tax on tablets and phones phones are now far more expensive than they used to be is that a good policy do we have enough um, you know understanding of what the constraints are what is what policy do we need for adoption of technology is our policy still steeped in the past of building more schools and teachers or do we have the technology is squarely in our policy how where is the government of technology policy will technology accelerate innovation exploration and creativity these are again buzzwords that we must take seriously they may sound like buzzwords but this is the new world and we must accelerate 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 innovate 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 and creative 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 important things does technology require any complementary inputs as i said do we just give a tablet to every pupil and forget about it or do we need more things so this is what i want the panel to focus on now with that i'll just quickly say a couple of things before we proceed one is let me welcome back idris khaja a phd stalwart former dean at the air university is just returned to the pid so i want to welcome him and uh, you know acknowledge the fact that he has come back but with that i'll move on to opening the panel but before the panel shanaz was really requested that she should have a couple of minutes shanaz would you like to say something about the past few days and we'll move to the panel thank you very much nain nadim Uh, I just wanted to um, refer to a couple of things that came out because I've been attending, as you know, all your sessions. <clears throat> a couple of very, very key, I think, uh, themes are coming out of what we've been hearing over the last couple of days. One clearly centers around this whole issue of education as a right—the right to education, the entitlement to education. 
And the general perception that, as Adam Smith has said, that the marketplace really doesn't look, is, bothered about, is not bothered about the right to education. The marketplace is bothered about supply and demand and best you know, quality and cost. Um, but yesterday, the most inspirational stories <laughs> came out of Seema Aziz from CARE, who had founded her entire philosophy of the hundreds and hundreds of schools and the over 250,000 students on the whole concept of the right of the child. And she had developed that and it evolved through, this, through these almost 25 years or 27 years, taking on government schools and a management model and arrangement. But the foundational concept behind it all, the mission, the motive was that this is this child, every single child has a right to education. So often when we say the private sector is not bothered about the right to education, it's not always true. Similarly, when we heard from Ziaf Tarabas yesterday, again, exceptional analysis. I must compliment you, Ziaf, if you're listening. I think the whole issue of cost quality enrollment and all the multiple functionalities of what it takes to put together a fairly large system and which you have close to 18, 1900 schools across the country. Once again, TCF is founded on the very concept that every child has a right to education. And if the state is not going to do something about it, we as society are going to do something. So these are two societal actions which are very visible. I'm just mentioning these two. There is also DIL. There are several others uh, on a smaller scale, mid-scale. And across Pakistan, I would want echo, I think, what Mehboob said yesterday, that a lot is happening in Pakistan. Yes, I, you know, you've listed a lot of things that are not happening or should happen or are dysfunctional. But at the same time, society is stepping up and several things are happening. He talked about the intellectual capital of Pakistan. He talked about the intellectual, the technology capital of Pakistan. And that is quite true. And that has not been actually catalyzed. And I think catalyzing technology is, for me, was a big take takeaway and unlocking capital. That's what Mehboob talked about. He said, if you allow the private sector to come into areas where it has expertise, it moves fast, it's swift, it's resilient, it's adaptive, it's responsive, allow the private sector into those sorts of relationships. My counter question yesterday to, uh, that came to my mind after the discussions yesterday was that while we talk about private sector doing a lot of innovation, reaching out community-based schools, in most cases, the larger systems are delivering quality, comparative qual better quality. But why is the government not reinventing itself? How is it going to enter into a mode of partnership? And I'm not talking just about adoption of schools or management models of schools. Multiplicity of partnerships can be engendered provided the government completely alters its own skill sets. The government cannot operate the same old way and expect to enter into partnership with a private sector that often is quicker, smarter, faster, and much better in, in terms of looking at all the constructs of what makes it possible to deliver on a reasonable scale quality education to those who are deprived. So I think this was really something that I hope at some point uh, we can look at again. I know that Mubashar said, uh, you know, the government gets bashed all the time. Government hasn't abdicated. Uh, I do think the government is making an effort, but the government's view towards the private sector seriously has to change. 
it cannot be regulate and regulate and control this adversarial conflictive relationship will not benefit anybody it really has to change they have to reinvent themselves and they have to focus on what are the key benefits that can come out of the partnerships from the private sector and they can be in it in teacher training in textbook production in in assisting in supervision and guidance and so forth so forth in many many other ways so i do think that there are several very positive themes that also came out of yesterday there's also um, i think a need to remember i know that you've said this frequently about imf and the world bank and social rates of return etc but you know education is a intergenerational return of this return uh, social social rates of return process or function rates of return will not accrue to pakistan in 2 years or 5 years or 8 years education takes time to give society its return so this is an investment that we always have to look at from a slightly different perspective i also want to mention very quickly and i'll stop there because i think we've not talked about it you know education doesn't happen in a vacuum it's part of the political economy you cannot educate children coming from impoverished backgrounds unless you do something about their health their food their nutrition their safety you cannot continue to provide education for a country that refuses to accept that family planning has to be a serious consideration for couples they cannot continue to produce multiple children and then think the state is always going to be there and society is always going to be there to support no matter how many children they are producing anemic mothers for health of children household situations which are completely untenable almost in any part of the world with 6 8 9 10 children so the absence of addressing other needs of families in particular women and children you know you we are not going to be able to do something significantly important in the education sector it affects the children it affects your teachers it affects everybody who is connected with education so to my mind talk about population talk about health talk about family planning talk about the larger scheme of things within which a household lives and and hopefully this intersectoral approach i think it, it has to take place you cannot have a silo approach so i'll just stop there i'm just sort of uh, voicing some of my thoughts i thought that you know since yesterday we didn't have a time to really cap thank up. you shanaz thank you i think <laughs> your points are well taken i think look we live in a complex world and everything is interconnected and we always take small slivers and look at them that's the method that everybody uses so of course we look at education we look at society we look at cities we look at government we look there so so it's all there and i think this debate of whether the government is abdicated or not i think this is i mean i personally i don't like the markets versus government or this or that approach as you said it's a complex world everything works together and everything has to work together and we have to think about it in a complexity sense but at every given point in time a human brain is not capable of of uh, understanding everything so today we'll just take up the role of technology in education and think about it but even though we've had we'll have five round tables we will not give up education it's such an important subject that we'll return to it again and again what we've done at pid is we're returning to themes again and again because we feel we never really learn anything about about completely about any subject so we have to keep returning keep researching keep thinking so we'll return to education again shanaz and we'll take all your views very carefully mehboob mahmood let me invite you to tell us 
is education the panacea is a tablet enough shall we give up building schools shall we fire the teachers what uh, what progress are we making in terms of adopting technology mahbu the floor is yours uh, nadeen thank you very much um i have slides you can share them okay let me try to see if i can share some slides i just want to set the agenda here can you see my slides we can see we can see your email right now i think okay can you hmm. see my slide deck now no i think we can see your email actually i can see your email oh. not your slides sorry i think you have to go to your slides okay um let me try again right now we are seeing your emails so i can see who sent you what okay um you have to go to powerpoint okay i'll try again so microsoft powerpoint i see uh, i think you've only allowed me to share a few things what mansoor saab ठीक करें मंसूर साहब कैन यू फिक्स इट आई कैन ओनली शेयर आउटलुक इट डजंट से आई कैन शेयर माय होल स्क्रीन सर यू हैव टू सर यू हैव टू ओपन योर स्लाइड फर्स्ट देन यू हैव टू शेयर यू आर गो होस्ट सो यू कैन शेयर एनीथिंग सर कैन यू सी माय स्लाइड नाउ नो ओके सॉरी अबाउट दिस लेट्स ट्राई नाउ Now we can't even see your screen. You are not sharing screen yet, I think. Yeah, Can that's it. My, yeah, that's much. Yeah, we are there. We are there. We are there. Now, if you slide your start your show, we'll see it. Yeah. Okay. We can see your, good. Yeah. Um, I think um, I don't believe that edu- uh, that just giving a child a tablet alone will do it. First of all, there are many aspects of education that have nothing to do with the pure learning process. um socialization and so on uh the second thing is that even with respect to the academic learning process a good teacher a good schooling system can help tremendously so we need um the traditional education system and the new education system to work together to create a revolution the good news is we have what i call 25000 intellectual entrepreneurs mm-hmm. that to create a revolution you need a class of people who are able to do things and who are committed to a change and i think in pakistan we have set up now 150000 schools mm-hmm. and uh, these have been set up by about 25000 entrepreneurs so of course tcf and beacon house and uh, sima uh, occupy the commanding heights but there are also over 22000 23000 individuals who set up small schools across the country and in some respect this is the real miracle of what's happened in pakistan now yesterday i talked a little bit about how how big i edu- private sector education system was uh, and actually as a bit incorrect i said we are getting close to china um, we are not yet uh china, india has the biggest uh, private sector education with about 125 million kids china has about 45 million indonesia at 22 and bangladesh at about 20 we are at 16 million but if you include non formal basic and you include madrasas and so on in other words all the kids in the 
K to 12 range, even if they're not in the formal education system, then we had 22 million kids in the private sector. So at any rate, we are the fourth or fifth largest private education system in the world. Secondly, that education system is growing at about in the last Pakistan education statistics data average growth rate for the last three years up to 2017, where the data was from, it was growing at 12.7%. Uh, if you look at uh, extrapolate the growth rates, but bring them down by 2025, the private sector will be bigger than the public sector and it will keep getting bigger and bigger. Now, I believe that technology will revolutionize education in Pakistan. But when does a revolution take place? There's a very interesting book by a Polish guy called Richard Kapuzinski, a very slim little book I recommend everyone reads it called Shah of Shah. And he asked the question, when did the Iranian revolution take place? And he poses the answer that in one day, the people came out to Tehran Central Square and they psychologically imagined a world without the Shah. And that's the moment when the revolution took place. After that, it took a long time to overthrow the Shah. Then there was one revolution, then another, then Khomeini came in, lots of other stuff. But he said the psychological breakthrough is the point at which a revolution takes place. Another um, uh, Silicon Valley way of thinking about it is that you need an inflection point. You need a point where uh, the combination of the psychological willingness of people to change as well as economic and technological conditions allow for a rapid change to take place. But if you don't catch the inflection point, you may not get to the right spot. I think we are at a place where a revolution can take place. And the big thing that has caused this to accelerate is some secular factors, like for example, internet growth. But the biggest factor has been COVID because up to now, we've been in education technology in Pakistan for six, seven years, and it's really been marginal. Um, we, you know, some schools have adopted us, about 450 schools adopted us over two and a half year period. After COVID, 330 schools adopted our solution in 60 days. So what, it, what you're seeing is technology-based education has moved from the margins of the education enterprise into the center. Everybody now recognizes that technology is not a question of should it happen? It's a question that it must happen and we can bring in technology to change education. Now, I should say one thing about the cost of technology, leaving aside the question of devices and bandwidth. I mean, we offer our service at 100 rupees a child a month. So as technology scales, one of the things you'll end up doing is being able to dramatically reduce costs of uh, education in Pakistan. This is one of the promises of technology. Now I'm giving you some data from 2016, just to show you how we are collecting data. And you know, people think, what is ed education technology about? Is it about videos and content and all? Ultimately, it's about data. So this is something even as far back as 2016, we've been serving the country and also collecting data all for free. 
um, you know, across the country. And you can see what a wide distribution there is. Of course, across the Indus, uh, around the Indus, you always have a bigger distribution of people, but even technology can help you get to very far out places. Now, this is, for example, data we're collecting on schools that we can benchmark schools and how every school is doing on every subject and so on. This gets even more interesting. We decompose every subject into skills and every skill, every subject has about 200 skills. So I can tell you with a high degree of certainty that in 10th grade mathematics in Pakistan, solution of quadratic equations and nature of roots of quadratic equations is the most biggest problem in the country, across the country. But within that, I can tell you which particular formulas give problems. So ultimately, technology is not about videos. Technology is about data. And the interesting thing is now we are moving from data to doing. We are just not capturing information. I'm not just telling you which formula kids have problems with or how much percentage of kids don't un understand past continuous tense. Because now with artificial intelligence, we are giving recommendations to teachers and to students as to what to study. Not only that, we're giving them recommendation, we're giving them what they have to study. In other words, technology is so powerful that we will not only cap, we are not only, we've been doing it for five years and it's not only us, this is the way it's done. You not only capture data, but you can also give prescriptive content to people to study to improve what they're doing. And this is happening in Pakistan. It's happening. The government or even private sector may not know how many kids are enrolled but we capture 100 data points about every single child. Now, there are some issues. The first issue is that we have a digital divide. By our estimate, only 1 million kids. Now, you see, using technology, first of all, I don't think smartphones is a good idea because for a kid to have a smartphone, you know, very small screen, not a good idea. So you need tablets, you need something like that, bigger. Secondly, using technology in education is not like calling a Kareem car. You don't use it for five minutes. You need to have it for one hour, two hours, three hours. So there's only maybe one million kids in the country who actually have access on a regular basis to a device. So it's very interesting that in China where we work or in America where we work, the, the infrastructure came in place before the hardware and software. In Pakistan, it's the reverse. We are moving faster on hardware, on software and on content than we are on hardware and infrastructure. So this is a big bottleneck. And one of the big things we have to solve is number one, how do we use the existing infrastructure? For example, there are 24 million parents who have devices. Can we do game-based learning where the parents give the device for a kid for five minutes to get the mental readiness to, get, to invest in their kids? But the interesting thing is that if you look at the spend in Pakistan, today, uh, 850 billion rupees is spent by the private sector. It's a bit bigger than the public sector. And out of the 850 billion spent, uh, 300 billion is in tuition and 500 billion is in school fees. To another 300 billion is in transport. And so if you reconfigure and you start spending less on tuition, less on, uh, on transport, actually technology 
can not only break the barriers between tuition and government schools and private sector schools, but technology can do it at a cheaper cost. So at a lower overall cost in the system, we can have better learning outcomes. But we need to be able to now make this revolution happen. Now, I'm just giving you this slide. I'm not expecting you to look at it, but what I'm saying is, on the one hand, we need our 25,000 intellectual entrepreneurs to come on board and say, how do we embrace technology? The other is, let us recognize, this is an extremely, extremely complex area. In any one given day, we, as a small company, are thinking about natural language processing, artificial intelligence, games-based learning, story-based learning, video formats, game formats, asynchronous data, cloud computing, and about 40, 50 other things. This is not the role of government. These things are moving so fast and they are so complex, only the private sector can do it. And I want to now just give you an example of what is happening across the border. In Pakistan, we have maybe 25, maybe 30, maybe 40 companies who are seriously into education technology. And I'm being generous when I'm saying that maybe 20 million has gone into funding. In India, there are over 400 companies that are serious players in edtech, and over $3 billion have gone into funding. So I believe every child who gets a good education is not only empowered, but they can pay for that education themselves. So what should we be doing? The biggest challenge in the longer run will be how can we bring in instead of a 16 billion rupee, 1600 billion, 1 1.6 trillion rupee education system, how do we make it into a 7 trillion rupee or even a thousand, 700, sorry, 7 trillion or 10 trillion rupee industry. Education has to grow three, four, five, six times in terms of the funding. Every person who is in this room has got a benefit of education. We've got 20 million people who have done well out of education in Pakistan. Whatever I have done in life is because of education in Pakistan. Today with technology, I can be linked to one child in one village if that's all I can afford, or one school in any village. So we can use technology to link people. We can use technology to unlock capital. We can use technology to capture the future income flows of kids in Pakistan so that they pay for their own education because one thing that is for sure, you educate a pool of people, they will produce more value than the money it's put in into education. So this is a question of innovation. It's a question of financial in innovation. It's a question of technology innovation. And it's a question of the private sector and public sector working together. It's all possible. The tools are here today. Finally, the different points of inflection point have come together. The question is, do we have the vision and do we have the willpower to make it happen or are we going to go down uh, in the other direction? Thank you. Excellent, very good. I think you've raised many very important issues, but at the same time, it seems that uh, we are still far from making progress. So. It, Always the cup is half full, but it's also half empty. So let's uh, look at it. Can I invite uh, Zulfikar Saab to uh, give his take? Zulfikar Saab represents uh, um, his, uh, Zulfikar Saab, please. Thank you so much, uh, uh, Nadeem Ulaq Saab, for uh, 
having me on this uh, esteemed uh, panel. Uh, by way of introduction, I spent the last two years uh, of my life, uh, uh, you know, uh, looking at uh, use of technology in the uh, uh, Pakistan's education system space. I was the technical advisor into the IDS 2 program. And then I've been a consultant on uh, uh, various things and I helped found the uh, Ilm Association. And what I've come to the con um, conclusion, I have uh, written in a book of mine, which is about to be published, which has a lot more detail, um, you know, about what I'm going to be talking about it. I didn't create a slide set, but, uh, but I'll start by saying that <clears throat> uh, absolutely, I agree with what Mahmoub, uh, Mahmoub has said earlier that, you know, it appears that we are uh, at a cusp of what could be a revolution, right? The, the, the everything is lining up and we've, we've, we've uh, sort of solved the uh, cost problem, the quality problem, the deployment problem. And, uh, you know, there are various strategies. I'm not gonna uh, debate on which is right, which is wrong, but there are multiple strategies on how to engage with technology uh, and, and absolutely private sector has to be, uh, to take the lead in it. It is not the government's job because things are moving too fast and technology itself is moving too fast. And, uh, you know, you'll have to, uh, it'll be an impossible task for the government to manage all of that on its own. Um, to start with um, the inflection point, right? The, the what uh, led to the Iranians assembling in that uh, square uh, and, and deciding that there was a life beyond uh, Shah. So, you know, as far as technology is concerned, you know, it is a vital part of the global economy. I mean, it started being uh, used more and more in every industrial vertical and, and service since the 1990s. And now there is absolutely no industry vertical, no service, no profession that you can master and advance in, in, in today's global economy without being a master of the technology that is being used in that particular vertical. So it's sort of absurd to say that our education system can exist uh, without technology, uh, without multimedia, without digital content, all of these things. It, it really, once you look at the whole picture and uh, you, know, you, you accept the fact that economic motivation is a large, if not the only motivation that you know, a student or a parent has to send their uh, you know, child to school and industrialization, and use of technology is what will ultimately determine his progress in that particular vertical or profession. I mean, you know, the- Sulfakar sir, sorry to come in, sorry to come in, but quite frankly, we technology bilkul avoid kiye hakumat mein. Humne technology bilkul avoid kiye apni lifestyle mein. To ye kehna ke technology avoid nahi ho sakti, ho sakti. Humne Pakistan mein fully avoid kiye, bilkul kahin technology use nahi ho. So please, let's bear that in mind. Let's not be- what I'm amazed at is we are always a little fanciful and, uh, you know, we think things are happening, but unfortunately, they're not. Ji, go ahead. Ji, so uh, you're absolutely right. And I'm basically, that is the mindset that I'm trying to break with these arguments by, by, by saying things that, you know, essentially a lot of us know are true, but somehow we don't put them all together. Again, technology is scalable right agar aapne inclusive education ki baat karni hai to you know you have to go into technology because you can create technology once and you can keep on redoing it uh, till you get it right that, and then, that we know that we know but the question is how right so 
so so the 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 uh, implications that are there uh, for uh, for for our country is is four things in my mind for the first one is that we need to conclude the debate whether it is needed or not okay it absolutely is because it is the for advancement in uh, vertical even the mullahs you know they change their fatwas and they do azan over the uh, uh, loudspeaker so the, the the idea that the government is resisting or there are still educationists that are resisting the idea that we can you know have an education system that somehow uh, you know does not involve technology and and you know it's uh, you know sort of saying that you know prane zamane mein you know that the uh, uh, you know uh, the cottage industries uh, that at one time we let the world in is going to survive the revolution of the automation of the industry it is just not possible you have to uh, you know conclude this debate and ye jo aapne baat ki ke this you know debate whether it's needed or not needs to end uh, you know we we do not make uh, you know need to make this into a kalabagh and you know stop all dam put no but that's why i'm asking that's why i'm asking let's end the debate we make a mind that you know there are better projects yes so first thing is so the second thing is that you accept that it is the only way to fix the inclusivity in education problem it is not possible through our uh, economics and our funding capacity to have the number of teachers that are required uh, to service 75 million people it is just simply not possible uh, you know in order to attract and make them better teachers you will have to double their salaries uh, you will have to make this a more uh, you know a, a profession which attracts more brains uh, into this better quality people all of that even if you you know go that down that route it is simply unaffordable we cannot do it we will have to have a 30 year or a 50 year road map so technology is the only way right you can create content in the economies of scale that is potentially able to create uh, the 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 uh, teaching gap right so so we agree on that we agree on that zara aage chale na we agree on that we don't need to dilebo to we agree on that aage bataiye okay right and then the third thing is so what is technology technology means different things to different people so if you are talking about a developed world economy where they spend a thousand dollars or or more a student a year you're talking about artificial intelligence you are talking about uh, in information of things you are talking about a lot more capability you are talking about smart uh, classrooms we can't afford that so in pakistan it is uh, you know a different story maybe it's a tv and internet connection so what we need to be worried about is the digital infrastructure that allows good quality internet connectivity to get into our basic school system we need to have you know virtual schools and uh, you know uh, self taught internet content like khan academy sort of solutions jo ke allow kare so children who are because of cultural issues women who cannot go to school are not allowed to go to school can still be educated we need to work within our paradigms and digital uh, you know uh, technology uh, in in that form or fashion can only be produced domestically dekhen mera jo main conclusion hai is do saal ko karne ke liye ke what needs to happen is that we need to promote a digital uh, and innovative learning industry that is domestic that is sensitive to our culture that essentially uh, essentially uh, you know gives local context gives uh, the skill that is needed into local communities 
or or digital content because it is flexible it allows to do that ye jo uh, the government has done this unified curriculum thing uh, with the motivation of maybe madrasa system or online jo hamara normal system hai usko koi darmiyan mein koi jod de i accept that maybe maybe that is a national goal we need to have unity in in, in we can't have two systems but to say that the uh, you know rural person has to have the same curriculum as the one who is who is uh, you know uh, in in an urban place by and large is a mistake i mean everybody should see that as a mistake because unless you give that child some skills that are useful in his local community you're creating a national problem where you're creating urban migration you're not helping solve that economic problem so you have to make education relevant uh, you know and and digital technology ke sath that is the beauty of it because you can have different content for different population groups and the government has to essentially thank you thank you very much ulfikar sahab mansoor sahab can you quickly tell us kya what your thesis is mansoor sahab you're not unmuted okay can you hear me now see we can hear you okay so uh, thank you very much for giving me this opportunity um, i spent more than 45 years now uh, first 30 years uh, as a paid uh, you know uh, professional and last 15 years as a volunteer uh, you know leading several programs both for technology education and now economy as well um, i'm basically a technologist we set up the state of the art nasf new campus we changed the sword and those 18 19th century emblem of nasf we created a, a new knowledge book flying in four different directions you know representing four provinces and we captured the whole spirit of defining futures that's what we thought of setting up a state of the art university uh, nast which is now top 300 of the world so we bring in technology we bring in economics and we bring in education together i also had the opportunity of spending six of my best years in the in the political think tank leading the education policy group and trying to then integrate all these three things together as part of the think tank initiative which now shakkar saab is trying to implement so that from 2010 to 2016 we tried to build, you know bring in all the international best practices of how do we use technology and how do you use economics and to drive our education system in the country we we don't want to produce any more shelleys or or keats or shakespeares or for that matter ghalib or you know mir taqi mir we require technical savvy skill level workforce right from the bottom up so we talk we are talking about small skill levels mansoor sahab again i come to this mansoor sahab i'm sorry to interrupt again i come to this batai na how ye to hum sab mante hain hamari sab ki wish hai ke sabke paas rolls royce ho sabke paas mashallah billions ho aapka ye masla pehle se hal ho chuka hai aapka jo masla pehle se hal chuka ho chuka hai this is not reinventing the wheel let me take you back to 2010 there was a hmm. technology foresight program launched in the prime minister's office with lot of fanfare as part of the science and technology ministry i was picked up to head to head the technology group there was one group headed by education one group headed by agriculture so we thought of okay the technology foresight said pakistan vision 2030 pakistan vision 2040 it's right there itself just open up the the almaras and the coffers of science okay. and technology okay. we spent yeah so okay. there are more than 40 volunteers who've given this report 
that how do we you know have apply technology foresight into this country you mentioned about 19 you know or 20 education policies the technology foresight or vision pakistan is lying in the almara this is the problem how do we extract the best possible inputs from the from the bureaucracy and implement it thank god i had more than 20 private sector people as part of my volunteer force so we launched the education program we launched the e health program so those minor pilot projects are already there and so we need to now multiply it by perhaps 1000 times or 500 times so the question is we are not we'll reinventing the wheel everything is there all we require is no action plan i'm totally with you so let's take out all those documents lying in the almaras and let's implement it quarterly yearly and that's what shafqat mahmood sahab is trying to do our education policy was complete in 2013 so now we are in the seventh year of implementing that education policy on which we spent six six of our best years so the whole process of implementing education technology and economics is a time is a time sort of uh, thank you, know, you mansoor uh, sir thank you it. very kind of you i think we looked thank them up you. indeed thank you ji faisal bari you want to say something faisal bari well known educationist dean of the school of lums education ji faisal um bahut shukriya nadeem um main sirf do choti choti baatein karna i think we got some foreigners here so please if you can speak in english um so i'll just make two small points i um, i think i agree with mehboob that we'll have to think through what the right model is uh, for reaching um all the kids and this might have very large implications for uh, children who are out of school or potentially for uh, children in very varied circumstances over the covid period i've also become very aware of the uh impact that space has on learning as well so universities and schools provide a very democratic space as well where children away from their home environment and the variation in home environment are able to learn in an environment where they are in a put in a similar position of course all things from home cannot be taken away from that but a lot of things can be um so um they have equal access to everything library other things uh, as well as the attention of the teacher more or less when they are at home and learning and if we insist that technology should be keep them home and not provide some other fora where they can congregate then the question is going to be how big of an impact is the variation in home environment going to create and what outcomes will this result in is it going to um, make the differentiation and discrimination even more or is it going to level it and how are we going to deal with that but i think by uh, one potential answer for this might be to customize the learning even more and their ai artificial intelligence might help um, um, to a certain extent but that's maybe i i don't know technology that well to say whether that is possible today or not to to be able to make um, through technology make this a leveler even um, given the starting point of uh, home environment differences thank you thank you faisal thank you uh, let me take mr manzoor sumro manzoor sumro sir 
Thank you, Dr. Nadeem. I think uh, uh, different directions. What I like to say very quickly is that uh, we need what I call the blended education. With the technology, you cannot do without that. But there are issues, uh, particularly in Pakistan, that uh, the infrastructure is not as good. The people using that uh, do not understand much. So we need both together. And uh, that is what I would say is a kind of a blended education whereby we use technology, but also, I mean, I, I saw the chat about the teacher and the replacing teacher. Teacher can never be replaced, but teacher has to be trained to be able to utilize all these services. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Akhtas Afsal Saab, Professor Habib University. Akhtas Afsal. Akhtas, are you there? Yes, sir. Is my is unmuted kindly, sir? Go ahead. Akhtas, unmute kare. Aapko meri awaz aari? Ab aari hai, bolye. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, okay, so first of all, I agree with uh, the points that have been shared here. Uh, the technology can be, uh, it's, uh, it's a very important uh, next thing in the education sector, but I just want to make a few points. I think uh, we should be careful before putting too much trust into um, into te uh, technology, because if you look at the work of Robert Gordon coming out of uh, Northwestern University, he's an economic historian. He points out that the technological innovation curves are flattening out. So I think we should be a little careful uh, before putting too much trust in technology. My second point is that technology, sir, is, is never neutral. It always creates a, a new class of winners and a new class of losers. For example, when uh, Kareem and Uber were introduced into the Pakistani market, whatever happened to the old taxi wallas is anybody's guess. Or last point, and it goes back to the question that I think has not been answered in this discussion. We know you know people don't have technological gadgetry. I mean, we don't have a reliable or an affordable internet. We, uh, people don't have uh, tablets, we don't have laptops. Who is going to provide all of these things? I mean, how are, is, is the market the solution? And if market is the solution, then why hasn't the market provided this solution to date? Is it the case that like uh, all other things, the poor are simply going to be locked out of this um, technological shift as well? Thank you. Sadly, that's life. You can't do anything about it. Achaji, Zahra Aftab, quickly. Come on, Zahra. Hello, Aslan Alaikum. Can you hear me? Yeah, Hello. we can hear you. Okay, so I just wanted to follow up on what Dr. Faisal Bari just mentioned about space. And uh, I, I mentioned this day before as well that I am a, being a woman, I'm a bit hesitant about. Uh, emphasizing too much on technology. The only public space available to our girls, to most of our girls, is, is the school environment. Uh, 
सो जब आप बहुत ज्यादा टेक्नोलॉजी पे एम्फोसाइज करते हैं और उन्हें उनकी अपनी डिवेलिंग में ज्यादा बंद करते हैं तो आई थिंक ये एक सोशलाइजेशन और जेंडर नॉर्म्स फिर से रीनिगोशिएट हो रहे हैं और शायद औरतों के फेवर में ना हो तो इसलिए आई थिंक द स्कूल इन्वायरमेंट इज वेरी इंपॉर्टेंट फॉर ग्रोथ दूसरा आई आई डू फील के खान अकेडमी पे हम लोग बहुत ही ज्यादा डिपेंड कर रहे हैं आई मीन बींग a literate parent i don't find it very easy to navigate so i think ke teachers ka ek bahut important role hai jo hame batayi ki ye sare apps kis tarah navigate kare thank you theek hai thank you sarah just address some the comment on space i'm just coming back to you mehboob i'm just coming back to you acha abbas rashid sahab pehle bolne phir sarah nazmani adris khaja and then i'll go back abbas rashid ji thank you nazim sahab i just a uh, couple of quick points uh, following up on what uh, mahboob mahmood sahab said and what uh, the comment that uh, uh, dr akhas afzal just made dekhi ek baat to so the issue of market response since we uh, seem to be relying <coughs> almost entirely on the market to mahboob sahab aapne ye baat abhi kahi ke from 400 in x number of years uh, schools uh, that uh, uh, have asked you to to support them uh, through your uh, technology uh, and 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 aapke wo clickers hain aur cheeze hain and so that's a low baseline right so 400 plus 300 now but that means that yani jab ye crisis nahi tha you know um uh, there was am i right in understanding that there wasn't much of a response from from the market as as i think um dr akhtas just pointed out uh, or suggested as well um the other thing is that um i am not sure uh, if uh, if i can go along entirely with uh, uh, dr nadimul haq's response that this is life i think if we are trying to build a society that is stable uh, we can't really go very far with 5 to 10% of the people uh, with the means to to get a good education and so on uh, we know we're really highly in equitable uh, societies end up we are seeing a bit of that in in even the united states right now so so i think um, uh, maybe um, if, if someone wants to take that up um, uh, uh, and 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 uh, mehub your response with regard to uh, you know the market response to technology i mean in a sense let me put it even more narrowly do the schools that can in your view afford the intervention that you have to offer are many or most of them actually doing that in order to give their students a good education let's leave out the low fee private schools and the public schools and and the whatever thank you i think the market and uh, versus uh, government debate is really unnecessary and really not have really not leading us anywhere i think this is just sorry nadim can i just come in for half a minute i am saying <laughs> fine let's leave the government aside but i don't think we're paying enough attention to the weakness of the market right now that's all fair enough look i let me just simply respond can i just quick please do please do get rid of those market versus government nonsense which i intellectual seem to be preoccupied with so you see uh, i think one of the interesting things is that the schools that have adopted us are first of all mostly low low cost private schools and secondly on the women side i should say that women teachers and women and female students have a disproportionately great we didn't go into this with the gender orientation but we found that women actually adopt technology faster 
most of them are not having don't have tutoring businesses on the side so actually technology is a pro gender neutralization factor um it empowers women more easily many of them have to go home and study now coming to the economics of the situation actually the first thing is that many of the schools that have adopted us have already spent on technology so actually if you look at this because they've already bought computers punjab government put in 1600 6000 uh, smart labs in schools they were never used um kpk government has put in 1700 smart boards they're not used so actually we already are in a situation in the country where there is uh, a greater hardware acquisition than utilization so you can that's low hanging fruit the next thing is that you know when you look at the structure of education and this goes into space as well as well as transport the interesting thing is that if you have a kid who's let's say paying 15000 rupees their parents are paying 15 20000 rupees fees so they're going to a top school maybe their transport bill will be 25% on that uh, but when you look at a kid who's paying 2000 rupees in fees their transport bill is often the same as the um, fees and then you've got a tuition fee as well so a kid who's paying 2000 in fees is actually paying 7000 rupees so the first, i feel that if you're looking at a revolution uh, we have to look at this from a transport cost perspective we have to look at it from a uh, school fees perspective from a tuition perspective and also how space is used i think the space model that we need to move towards is a three part model one is we need to have nodes which serve thousands of schools and they've got labs and hopefully uh, playing grounds and really very very good facilities but being multiplied and being used tremendously the second is schools with very little real estate that are being used to double shift triple shift and lots of kids coming in and the third is edtech at home so i don't think the answer is that we have we have to think of space differently because in the technology world you can connect different kinds of space environments so we have to rethink the economics of education we have to rethink the uh space configuration of education rethink transport so the thing about technology is technology is not just you know okay replace the teacher or make the teacher supplemental technology will completely change how we think about space how we think about economics how we think about transportation mahbub i agree with you but i also have a problem technology can go only so far ultimately the user is also important i mean if we don't know for example most people now have a computer and i have seen computers on desks of bureaucrats for the last 30 40 years but we don't use email in the government right we don't actually do meetings in the government ab zoom pe thoda bahut ho gaya because of covid but we never we never we still don't do them even now yesterday i had a meeting with the planning commission and they were all physically sitting there not on zoom right and they want to call up people there you know physically now my question to you is fair enough you can sit there and envisage all this and you've made some very good points about okay we can customize education for kids we can flip the classroom we can save on on transport costs we can configure reconfigure space we can use space better there's so many things but much of it requires human organization and the reason that i don't like this market versus government government's job is to kind of reorganize the system this is oh, where i disagree the, the okay, reason fair, why i say fair. revolution will happen 
is because we've already got 25,000 intellectual entrepreneurs in the country. We have got one of the largest bootstrap innovative system of education. So before even technology come into the place, that's why I started with our private sector. Our private sector is a big, beautiful thing. And it's not just the big, it's the small guys. It's the people who are not in this conference. It's the small guys who have set up things. They are the ones who are responsive to us. They are the ones who are adopting technology. They are the ones who are leading this revolution because for them, it's easier to do, faster to do. And if they get, they have to get an economic return. They have to get a benefit out of it. But they are flexible, they are adaptive, they can change. We have already created the shock troops of a revolution. Absolutely correct. But I hope you're also aware that the courts, as well as CDA, is throwing private schools out of their accommodation because their accommodation is not dedicated for schooling. I hope you're aware yesterday the guy told us that they, the state wants to do away with them and put in all kinds of onerous regulations on them. So the question really is, it's not government versus market. It's just simply who is going to sit down and think all this through and make it happen. Yes, to a certain extent, it will happen in decentralized form. But I also want you to tell me, for example, how do we begin to use this technology? The individualization that you're saying, is it going to happen purely at the school level or should it happen at a bigger level? And should it be done better? The second thing that you said, which is very important, is infrastructure, right? If we do, we have the hardware that you talked about. Is that hardware going to be provided privately, or is that something that the government should provide? Nabu? Well, I think Nadim, look, um, it is an ideal case. In ideal case, the government has to facilitate this happening. They can't do it themselves, but they can facilitate. And then the rest of the innovation should happen in the private sector. For example, mm -hmm. let's take one particular small hardware case. This is a 40% duty on laptops. We don't make laptops here. So in India, mm -hmm. the reason why EdTech has taken off is that a laptop costs 12,000 rupees, uh, sorry, a tablet. Mm -hmm. Whereas mm -hmm. here it costs 20, a decent, the same thing, Samsung or Lenovo costs 25 to 30,000 rupees. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. there's a huge duty on it. Then mm -hmm. I think the broader thing on finance is we need to think really innovative. We've got 22 million kids out of school. Uh, but with blockchain, with keeping digital records of every kid, you can give financing for a kid and let them pay out of their future earnings. We have to think innovatively. We have to think out of the box to solve such a big problem. We can't solve it by building a few more schools or saying that you know the government should be better. We really have to think in a very innovative way. After all, you know, there was no such thing as leverage buyouts 40 years ago, and now you know, it's a commonplace industry. There was no such thing as asset securitization. Now it's commonplace. So all these ideas already exist in the West. You know? And many of us have done billions of dollars of transactions uh, doing these kinds of structures. So you know, we can't just sit in our small little hole and think that we can solve this issue. But there's enough now precedents in the world, and many being, things being done that we can adopt best practices and move forward. The extent to which we move forward is government will play a big role. But the beautiful thing is that even if government doesn't play a role, a lot of stuff is going to happen. So I'm much more optimistic than you, Nathim. And it's not okay. got to do with technology. Fair it's enough. got to do with because we have 25,000 people who make money from education. And they'll figure Fair ways enough. out to deliver better education at a lower cost. Okay. Let me come to Neelam Azaz Hussain, Dr. Neelam Hussain, 
who runs grammar school and uh, has a large stake in education. Uh, Neelam, please can you tell us how you're using technology and what your take on technology is? Will technology grow in Pakistan or is it too, too optimistic? I was, uh, I was growing a little impatient because you were not bringing in practitioners. Yes. The reason being that if you look at the journey that practice has taken in Pakistan, I've been working mm -hmm. in education. We founded uh, Lahore Grammar School 40 years ago. We've always used technology. Now let me show you my journey and the pragmatics. Where I find a mismatch in this discussion is that we've been talking about the use of technology without seeing technology and education, but to what purpose? Are you thinking of designing technological immersion in literacy? Do you want it to happen at primary levels? Do you want it to happen at higher educational levels? Are you going to do it in professional training, etc.? As a practitioner, I run a conglomerate of schools from preschool to the London University master's program, along with an ACCA program. pragmatic journey. When you make one curriculum for all, you will have no lighthouse projects left, no practitioner who has walked the walk and taken you to international levels of excellence will be, will survive that. I think that schools should be given the, and educational institutions, which means from preschool to university and doctoral level, the right to choose whether they want to take on the national curriculum or not. If you want to meet the needs of equality equity, then put Maslow's hierarchy of needs before you. First, fulfill the needs that are at the base of the pyramid. Is, does everybody have food? Does everybody have a home? Does, every, does the state give uh, health care? Up see the bath, you go to the top, which is really actualization. You go to the top of the pyramid for a country, which is the second most has the second largest number of illiterates in the world. Ah, please, aapko isko sectionalized problem solving ko karna padega. Mam, aapko apni journey batadu. We are extremely actualized in the use of machines and uh, technology. How did this journey go? When LGS opened initially, we started teaching computer studies and IT at ONA levels. And that means there were machines around the school all the time, and everybody in school was savvy, tech savvy. Along the journey, this journey has now ended with me offering from the London School of Economics a computer studies and artificial intelligence undergraduate program as of this September. And the only place it's being offered in is LGS Defense and LSE. Abad ye hai ki jab aap equality ko or enhancement ko or educational research ko ek muddle mein dal kar sochne hai, it's all muddled. Now let me tell you, after everybody had studied IT as a subject and as an activity from grade one, we, I also introduced the IB World School system as a parallel. In the IB World School system, you have to have 21st century thinking skills. 
where the learner is the teacher, which means I had to give tablets to all the students. We had to change teaching. And this went alongside the core curriculum, which was, of course, the same as Cambridge, English, maths, uh, Urdu, etc. Lincoln. Your worldviews in the themes that uh, IB requires of you, like who we are, where are we in place and time, how the world works, and how, what are the large social uh, organizations in the world, so on and so forth. And they go on till you reach high school. Of course, we offer ONA levels alongside. We had to use tablets for every child and we invested in them. Why? Because it calls for the learner being uh, the teacher. So group teaching in which the learner is given a topic and they begin to explore it and they come up, walk up with a mic to a speaker's corner to give very diverse views. Now what that did was that when I started watching this as an educational uh, uh, specialist and designer, I noticed that I had light bulb moments when I was even listening to kindergartners. They were not using tablets, but they were using discourse, discussion, multiple uh, methods of looking at reality. They were being taught things in a way that was very 21st century and cutting edge. When I listen to people, technology to access is not uh, there. It's like going to the bank, you have a check and the bank is closed. You know, technology doesn't mean you are, uh, you know, 21st century sensibility or that, you know, uh, the professional requirements of the 21st century. Come back to an equalizer. For heaven's sake, the only equalizer in Pakistan at the moment that we as, as citizens have created is poverty and deprivation. There has to, we have to have lighthouse projects in ed education running where you say, how did you do it? Show me how you did it. And we, I, I tell you, I started what is known as the School of Education at the university where I will happily through Zoom have my faculty Teach everybody how to use what we are using. Or zaruri nahi ki aap Angrezi me bataye, aap Punjabi me batado, aap unhe Pashto me bata dijiye. I have schools across. I have schools in Quetta. We have schools across Pakistan and Balochistan. You name it, Peshawar, Karachi, the Punjab. So baat yahan ye hai ki jab aise hai institutes, to sir, unke why is the government so oblivious of their existence. And let me tell you, everybody in government has had their children in our schools. And they have been through these facilities and they've gone on full scholarships to the best colleges in the world. Why do we have a short memory with regard to pragmatics? And that's all I need to say. Great, thank you, thank you. At this point, I'm also going to ask Adil Najam, who is the Dean at a school in Boston University, Adil is obviously an innovative thinker. Everybody knows him. And I think we all, I will at least benefit from what Adil says. Adil, what's your take? Can technology solve the problem? Does the government have a role or should we leave it all to the private sector? 
thank thank you nadeem I, i had just come to listen in there is there, there are much better people in i know in, i'm forcing you but doesn't matter i i i, I really wasn't uh, but i have learned a lot i've learned a lot nay thank you um, i i really have i mean i think this is a very very refined discussion um i i hadn't really planned to speak but since you've put me on uh, uh, just a couple of thoughts uh, that i've learned from this discussion which really is very excellent i i say that uh, honestly um one is i would second the comment i think zara said it or someone um i am a great fan of salman i am a great fan of khan academy lekin uh, uh, i think we are misusing it in our discussion uh, khan academy is an equivalent to tuition it's really boring i don't know aap kabhi baith ke aapne dekha hai ki nahi dekha wo bada boring hota hai but it's very useful for the purpose it is because its purpose was you know uh, revising so uh, because in the us the tuition culture wasn't there it is a, it serves a very useful purpose so i'm only suggesting that uh, technology is far advanced uh, than that uh, in fact the better model is we think ki humne abhi zoom ijad kar liya but uh, 10 years ago my kid like many many kids in the us uh, of pakistanis and other muslims were learning uh, quran reading over skype तो ये जो thing i have which is a casio calculator 1982 uh, me and my father spent 2 hours buying it because it was the most expensive thing we had ever bought for education and there was a big debate ki yaar calculator aa gaya to engineering to seekh nahi sakte aap because ye bacche jo hain ye phir unko asal mein math nahi karni aayegi the point i am making is there is a secularness to technology that will come there is then the question which i think all of you are grappling with is ki how much of it can be directed uh sorry for the uh, time one last thought that i am taking from this conversation is because i think we are in the covid moment we are stuck with this idea that the battle if there is one is between screen versus classroom i think the battle is or or the contest is much bigger i don't think i think fessel's point on space is brilliant that is something i hadn't really thought of but the battle is much more also between the screen and the textbook i think the real opportunities are there because textbook ya jo books hain wo to waisi nahi padhi jati so the question of this hybrid modality of using technology i don't think it's an either or ki agar aap technology use kar rahe ho to you have to be in home that's a covid thing but the idea of for example the flipped class where the idea of a hybrid modality where the homework is part of the lecture and the class is their discussion agar aapne ye critical wagaira na so just uh, this thought ke i'm taking a lot from this including ke i hope we expand the idea of technology to multiple things 
in which uh, and and not just ke, this idea ki teacher rahega ya nahi rahega school rahega ya nahi rahega i don't think is a very valid one uh, the school will survive the university will survive it will inevitably change either it will change because we consciously implement change of a direction we want or just wo jo rela aayega uh people will will start using it for whatever reason i mean uh, last thought the one place where technology is used amazingly is in cheating aur ye koi nayi baat nahi hai jab main college mein tha tab bhi phone aa chuke the so the same entrepreneurship with the student uses in figuring out how to do that if we can direct it positively then jeevai jeevai very good point very good point theek hai ji idris khaja sahab a new pied professor edwin khaja yes so thank you for introducing me in your intro i would like to play my bit as a pied this happens to be my alma mater as well about the topic i just want to say that currently schools are performing two roles of taleem or tarbiyah <laughs> so probably the technology can take care of to a large extent can take care of the taleem part but for tarbiyat uh, that is soft skills maybe we need schools we need uh, students learn a lot through social interaction as well and for social interaction we need schools for team work and other things we need schools uh, and of course the technology can play the part of uh, education that's what i want to say. thank, thank you. you alia khan जी आई बीन लिसनिंग वेरी केयरफुली ओवर द पास्ट थ्री डेज एंड टूडे ऑल्सो द क्वेश्चन दैट कम्स टू माई माइंड इज दैट द इशू ऑफ वेदर टेक्नोलॉजी इज गोइंग टू गेट ब्लेंडेड विद द वे एजुकेशन इज डिलीवर्ड इज नॉट एट डिबेट वॉट इज एट डिबेट इज हाउ डू वी recognize the entry points mostly as far as the government is concerned in bringing about the change that will facilitate the blending of technology in teaching methods and in learning and uh, i've come to the conclusion that unless and until i mean we can't rely on an education policy document because that is never going to speak uh, to this issue because the ministries of education and the ministry of it do not talk to each other so i think we should also pour our minds uh, and try to understand what are the pathways that we can walk on to make this change happen in the best interest of education in pakistan i mean i think i understand very clearly there's always going to be the private sector its role is going to get bigger than it is there's always going to be the public sector but we also do not want the public sector to stagnate which it is at the moment at the cost of an expanding uh, private sector so how do we bring in a synthesis of some kind so if any of the panelists would like to throw light on that i really appreciate mehboob saab's uh, 
analysis, but who is going to bell the cat? I mean, who is going to uh, like bring the change of spaces? I don't think uh, that I agree with him that it is those so many thousand entrepreneurs because they have no say in the corridors where these decisions are made. And Nadeem, you said it very uh, aptly, the private sector is under uh, threat from many restrictive government policies and that has to be addressed because it is not going to work to any advantage for uh, our children to become technology enabled if this kind of tug of war continues. So I think this is my biggest takeaway from the past three and today the fourth day of discussion that we have to think of entry points. Maybe it is the political economy, maybe it is the politicians that we have to convince because at some point in time, they are the ones who are um, steering uh, decision-making. So the decision-making channel has to be explored. Thank you. Very good. Thank you. Rabia Shah? Rabia Shah? Rabia Shah is here or is she gone? Yes, I'm here. Yeah, thank you for mm -hmm. taking me on. Um, I'm an um, international school teacher in Riyadh, and I've been following okay. this discussion very closely over the past four days. Um, mm -hmm. Just two things that really come to mind as far as technology and education is concerned. I think it's a moot point that technology is important in education. We all know that. It, it can be a great equalizer, provided we can provide electricity, Wi-Fi, and everything else that's needed to get... Um, even a poor child to learn through technology. The point though, and this comes from personal experience is when, and really after COVID, is when I try to reach my own students just through technology, it was abysmal. I wouldn't have children in, and these were kids who knew me, who, who pay um, really, really high fee to attend the international school, but Technology alone cannot reach the, the mind of a child. You do need bricks and mortar. You do need the teacher. Yes, you could probably reduce the number of hours. So for example, instead of going to school five days a week, children can go two days a week. That's one thing. So you do need that important, very, very important human connection, um, not just for academic or talim, but also for tarbiyat, which is social emotional learning. The second point is, it's all very well to say that Han Academy is a fantastic for forum and all that. I agree. I've also mentioned in the chat that I think it is supplemental. It cannot be the primary focus or the primary means of learning. But what we must also think about is the fact that those learning outcomes need to be measured at some point. Uh, we are our children. You know, we used to keep saying that our children are not receptacles and you keep filling them in or the teacher fills them in those learning outcomes need to be measured. And um, could there be a way of doing that? I mean, who is going to do that? Those are just two points that came to mind when I was listening to this uh, discussion. Thank you very much for taking me. Kasar Abdullah Malik, famous professor. Kasar Abdullah Malik. Kasar Sab, can you hear me? I'm here, I'm here. Thank you so much, Nadeem. I mean, I have learned a lot and uh, I see got many, my old friends, especially Adil Hajam Sahib has been here and, you know, it's nice to see him. 
you see, I have been listening. I have got few points. You see, if you could hear with me, that that we have been talking about the technology for education, actually, you know, and uh, it has been highlighted because of this COVID situation where we all were locked out and uh, we had to evolve different technologies for online teaching and all that you see and, and that was the time where the the role of the technology has been highlighted you see you know and uh, uh, i agree with lots of things that has been have been said but all said and done that we have to use the technology for our our own purposes and and one of our into my mind one of the purposes the out of school five billion or so uh, out of school children you see you know i mean how how can our technology be used to reach out to them see so that is to me is much more important i mean all these online things can be done you see and they are being done you see you know so i mean there are some weaknesses of uh, not availability of internet and faith and all that that can be overcome you see that is not a big deal you see. but most important is that how can we reach out to those out of school children how how can our technology be used to that and i am i am i am uh, amazed that nobody has talked about the our own uh, successes you see you know for example we have a very well established virtual university you see and that is doing extremely well you see and uh, that has an outreach on uh, i don't know the exact number i have been on their syndicate for a long time but uh, that has been an ex experiments and that has been the one which has been successful you see you know and why can't we use that kind of a technology to 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 go out to all these students you see who are out of school and arrange some uh, tv channels exclusively dedicated to them and that can be easily i mean relatively easily done secondly most important thing is that we mm. must understand that education is the primary responsible of the state of the government you see you know and then the government has to has to own it you see i mean ye private sector ke upar chhodte na aur abhi ye sab kaam karenge that is that is not possible private sector cannot do everything you see i mean the government has a responsibility and it is amazing tadim i mean if you look at how many participants in in all our webinars have been the implementers you see you see we talk about the policy we talk about everything but who is going to implement them who is going to bell the cat and those people are not around they are not interested you see they they don't want to be educated they don't want to have an informed opinion you see so so that is where we all are stuck you see bhai hum aapas mein baatein sari karke aap apna etharism apna karke we feel you know we done our job that is not sufficient that is absolutely not sufficient you see we have to do something think out of box in order to make these implementers do something you see you know i mean there are how many how many secretaries have ever been to your webinars you see i mean even uh, shafkat mahmood hasn't been here you see you know i mean so this is our dilemma and 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 that's where we should all think about it and mai to kehta hu ke ek ek dharna hamara is baat pe bhi ho jaye you see to this sorry about all this so this is what i 
had to say and also also uh, uh, there was an interesting thing said by one of my our colleague here zeba or something i mean i don't remember her name now i mean she said exactly this uh, the thing that there is no alternative to schools or university or a classroom you see you can do everything uh, incidentally i can i if you allow i had a i was in one of my earlier lectures i was saying that you have everything available on the internet you see you don't have to come to, to the class if you want to all the girls over there immediately shouted please don't tell this to our parents you see you know because that is the opening for all our female uh, students especially you know to come out uh, to a university or to a classroom for all the social activities you see so which they are not allowed at home you, see. you know so these are our own uh, cultural uh, uh, i mean uh, points we must take into consideration sorry about this long no 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 problem thank comment. you thank you very much thank you so Sarah much zamani Hello, sir. Uh, my name is Sarna Zamani, and I'm a research scholar from Karachi. So, since we are talking about technology and innovation, I would like to mention a study by Harvard, where they studied who becomes an inventor in America. They have studied lives of one million inventors, including their third standard math grades, sir. And it concludes that early life exposure to a culture of innovation is way more important than an actual ability to innovate. very unfortunately sir our kids they wake up to news like baldia factories evidence on gender digital equality report states that only 3% women in pakistan are able to are able to copy or move a file on computer latest data shows that 6% people have computers and 1.5% people have tablets so sir i am being told on this platform to look at vision 2030 and 2040 but it is very difficult for me to be optimistic sure change is coming but uh, change is coming in zimbabwe too as darren esmoglu writes that zimbabwe will reach the level of usa but it will take it 2700 years so this shows that rate of change matters too so sir how as a as a young scholar do i become optimistic about technology in any sector in this country when my government is taking regressive steps such as singular curriculums i would want comment on this sir thank you wo kal ho jayega acha ji uzma uzma zia Uh, I'm Usma Zia from uh, Bite. Uh, sir, my uh, points are somehow closer to Dr. Neelam Hussain and Mr. Kosser, uh, but I will summarize them. That uh, our basic uh, system do not allow us to adopt technology. For example, in government schools and in rural areas, teachers are not trained, students are, and teachers don't have enough resources. On the other hand, we have private schools and uh, those students who can adopt technology easily. So, are we going to produce? two different groups and we will not bother in future who will um, uh, who will lead and uh, that that is the dilemma because uh, the returns uh, as mrm khan said that is returns will be there after few years not uh, necessarily very quick so and uh, as mr kosser um, uh, mentioned due to covid we don't i didn't have any choice so uh, we moved towards technology but poor people still don't have any technology and, and uh, don't have any choice thank you okay let me go back to the panel let me go to mahboob can you please quickly take up some of these questions but i also would like to ask you to illuminate uh, what are the key um, methods or systems of 
um, online learning. Uh, you said the computer, the software is far ahead of the hardware, and you said it was customizable, flipping the classroom and so many other things that are possible. But what are the the key models that are at play, and how do we get them adopted rapidly? If the government is not doing it, uh, can we? Are there methods, or even if the government is doing, let's say, even if we can form a policy, convince the government, what are the kind of things that we need to do to make this happen rapidly, and what are the key systems that we have? Uh, I think you know. In the first instance, we um, we need to take the existing curriculum. Now, you know, there's a whole question of curricular reform, and also let's put that aside. Let's take obviously the intention should be that we should have a very good curriculum, and in fact, it should be with technology. We should make it extremely open-ended. Uh, Isaac Asimov said something very interesting, where he said that in the pre-industrial age, we had education that was customized for the few. And in the industrial age, we had education that was mass produced for the many. And now in the information age, we have the potential of education that is customized for every individual. So the true impact of technology is that we can provide individualized learning pathways for everybody. Uh, obviously, now there are constraints, there are curricular constraints to doing that. Because if the curricula say that everyone has to study one thing, then the first task is to help people master whatever curriculum you've given, good or bad. Uh, I think from a software development and content development point of view, that is a very manageable task. Within a few years, with the concentrated effort and budget, you can create a rudimentary not a brilliant, but a fairly good uh, level of interactive assessments, games, simulations, activities. So for $5 million, $10 million, if, if somebody wants to invest with the private sector or government, you can map out the curriculum and create a pretty good uh, product mm. that can then get out to everybody. Now, when you think about that, let's say it costs us $10 million, right? Now we've got uh, 50 million kids in the K-12 education system, right? And let's say that system lasts for two years, so it costs us on average $5 million, right? So we are now talking about 10, uh, 10 cents a child, right? In terms of the content. The hardware, hardware delivery, artificial intelligence, all of that costs another, let's say, another 200 rupees a year, right? So when you look at the actual cost structure, uh, for maybe about three or 400 rupees a child, you can get a pretty good education out to every child in Pakistan, not including the devices and the um, bandwidth cost. Bandwidth cost is still manageable, device is the problem. So one of the things we need to do if you really want to bring a, a equitable and one of the discussions, which I think has been the best discussion so far that we need to bring this to everybody. We need to think about how we can make our culture a device-rich culture, an infrastructure-rich culture, and that we make the investment that is needed to be able to cascade this out. But we're not talking about a lot of money other than on the devices. And on the devices, you know, these are things that can scale down. You can put devices in schools. School devices are much more scalable. So I'm not trying to get rid of schools. I'm saying maybe you, you put a, a smart classroom in a school. And then you have kids rotate through that. So you can bring down the cost of this. 
to make uh, education affordable for people. And it means that you do need teachers. Of course, you need teachers. Of course, you need schools. Um, but when you have the technology, you can also bring education of a good quality uh, available to everybody for about three, four hundred rupees a month plus hardware and device costs. Hmm. So it's all but doable. Also, for and, example, you know, I, but ultimately, what about I think teacher costs? Teacher costs are the, the same, right? In no, fact, they come what down. About the, what are the complementary so inputs? I think the question is, we talk about the government, let's get more precise. So what should the government do? Yeah. How did the internet take place? The government, the uh, DARPA, said that we need a we need an, uh, a system for communicating data that can survive a nuclear attack. And then somebody called Paul Brand at, at Brand Corporation and others came up with the idea of a distributed network. So, in other words, the government set the problem, they provided the budget, and then they let the private sector compete. So, ultimately. I, I, you know, this is all solvable. This is, you know, it's doable and it's doable at much less cost than we think. But the government cannot do tenders in the old way that we want, you know, a long list of these are the requirements we want. Government should say, this is the big problem we are trying to solve. And then let's start creating some champions. Pakistan, after all, created, uh, in, you know, companies that did well in the 60s. And every country, in some ways, sponsors champions that do well. So similarly in education, we should say, okay, here's the problem. Who's going to do it? We have enough budget to do this. And you know, the World Bank can always be willing to fund this kind of stuff. So it's not as if even that much money will come out of government, much less what they're spending on the military for sure. But imagine for me, let's go a little forward. Imagine for me, if all this happened, what should I expect, let's say for a five-year-old kid? Is he going to school every day? Is he going nine to five? Is he going to study with a tablet at home? What kind of online learning content? Who's going to develop the content? Who's going to update the content? How does individualized learning, for example, if we discover the child doesn't I think, understand? Nadeem, you see, this, uh, uh, somebody brought up the interesting idea of like maybe everyone doesn't go to school every day, right? Mm -hmm. the, the thing is that if you look at just two costs, one is the cost of gas and transport because a poor person still pay the same gas price that a rich person, by gas I mean petroleum, right? So the, the transport cost is a, is a highly regressive cost that comes on poor people. And their kids often have to travel two hours a day, one hour a day to get to school, right? Mm -hmm. So simply if we save on transport costs, simply if you shift some of the work into, you double shift schools and then you have you know, another place where people can go and, you know, this is like the public good should be a center of learning where you come in and you've got beautiful labs and you've got beautiful playing fields and everyone can participate and you do double, double spacing and triple spacing and quadruple spacing of that space. So lots of kids are using it. If we use our resources intelligently, I can assure you that within the same cost structure and keep in mind that tuition is a huge cost structure, right? And what's happening in tuition, it's a very, very bad thing because the kids go to school, then they come back and they study in the tuition center. So it's expensive for the parents. It's repetitive. It's drill. It's more of the drill culture. I'm not even saying get rid of tuitions. What I'm saying is uh, in, uh, technology can bring down the cost of tuition because you can figure out that this kid doesn't understand these particular formulas in logarithm, flipped classroom and so on. So now with that data, the tutor can focus in and fix 
that particular problem rather than being kind of a scribe that is, you know, overseer of a child to go over an entire curriculum. So I think innovation and good planning within our existing cost structure come up with much better outcomes because we've got a highly unoptimized system of education, even down at the, at the lowest level. But in terms of, for example, you know, right now, rolling out a system that you're rolling out to schools, the schools have a rigidity in terms of their school system right now. They have a rigidity in terms of the curriculum that they have. So can your system, the, the, the We the have flexibility. I'll give you an example. And it's not only us, it's others also. We deconstruct the syllabus, the Pakistan Math, Science, English syllabus, which is the only thing we've done so far, has 6,000 skills, according to our skills taxonomies. So far, we've created 3,000 skills, right? So we are halfway there in terms of grade 11, uh, K to 12, math, science, English. Now, that, those skills are composed into 40 examination boards in the country, different kinds of languages, different kinds of, they're about, uh, uh, so far, we've, we've digitized about 167 textbooks. We've got another 300 textbooks to go. So, you know, we've got a big variety of textbooks, examination boards, federal board, provincial boards, and so on, right? But the beautiful thing about technology is it used to take us two weeks to digitize a textbook. Now it takes us three hours to digitize a textbook. So we have the, in other words, the technology sector has the innovation and the flexibility to accommodate for rigidity on the other side. So there's no real issue there. If you want to do something according to uh, Rahul Pindi board, we can deliver it for, to you within three hours. So the issue, I mean, just the power of the, this technology and we just at the cusp of this stuff. This is so, so powerful, so transformative, so cheap, right? This is a massive revolution. And so what we need is to think about how do we, how do we start bringing it in to our schools? How do we adopt it? And here I would say, the bigger school systems are, have more challenges than the small schools. We are finding small schools are more flexible. The, the guys who are not in this conference are people who adopt faster, right? DCA, for example, and I'm not trying to, you know, blame, put something on anyone, but we've been having three years of conversation with DCA and we haven't gotten anywhere. But with a small school in a mohalla, within two days of discussion, they adopt. Now, of course, a large system takes time to adopt. Right, but innovation must take place on the edges. Everyone must innovate on the edges, and we must be very clear. What do we want the government to do? We want government to first of all state problems and put money behind um, largely broadly stated problems that the current tendering system doesn't allow them to. DARPA. We need a DARPA kind of institution in government that says, I've got five problems that I want to solve with technology. How do, I, how do I solve the hardware problem? How do I solve the uh, low cost problem? How do I solve the out of school problem? And I'm going to put 10, $20 million. Most of that money will come from World Bank and others. So mostly grants, not probably don't have to spend that much. But the government has to big meaning. $20 million problem. is not a sizable sum. The government of Pakistan can easily spare that. That's not a... Absolutely. That's, not, a even, that's of, not even something. Look, uh, one F-16 costs, I don't know, seven, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. So no, forget so the, the F-16. price of one F-16, we can solve the education problem in Pakistan. 
forget the F-16, Mahbub. I was in charge of the, of the development budget. I know where the money goes into buildings and into roads, etc. So one less road could solve this problem. I mean, yeah. each so road, meaning that the government has while, to have an innovative, problem-based approach, state meaningful problems, and bid it out to people to solve it, and then promote the winners. Be unabashed about promoting it. After all, look at what's happening in the United States. Right? Do you think China doesn't promote Huawei? Do you think United States doesn't promote Cisco? You know, these things happen in any in business, in any in any flourishing economy. I'm I live in Singapore. The government, 14 out of the top 20 companies in the Singapore Stock Exchange are government-owned. So the government is a big promoter of good enterprises. But I, I suppose in Singapore, secretaries also listen to webinars. Our government doesn't, unfortunately. But that besides the point, let me bring in the virtual university. Kossar Saab mentioned the virtual university. They're also here. Can, uh, would you like to say something about, you got a lot of praise. And uh, could you tell us about the virtual university very briefly? I think we should end. But because I see the virtual university, I'll bring them in. Who's there from virtual university? QG virtual university, will you speak? Hanji, Bolia. Okay. Uh, I'm Essen Puri. I'm the director ICT at the virtual university. I had the tech part of the university. I'm not a good speaker. I, I was just here to listen, but you invited me to talk. Um, don't worry, neither am I a good speaker. So don't worry. Go ahead. Okay. So uh, the way we conquered the situation is uh, uh, delivering uniform education across the nation is that by, by setting up uh, uh, small uh, study centers, which we call campuses, uh, with uh, public-private partnerships. So they, they set up small uh, units, and uh, we deliver education through our uh, indigenously built uh, learning management system. And uh, the, the lectures are pre-recorded. The lectures are pre-recorded, and we deliver them through different means. <clears throat> like uh, uh, DVDs, uh, YouTube, uh, through our own learning management system. So that's the way we deliver the lectures and the interaction between the teacher and the student uh, comes through the learning management system. So uh, it's, it's basically an asynchronous model. Uh, students can ask questions and uh, uh, they, they get responded uh, within office hours or the next day. But, mm -hmm. but we are also working on synchronous models. We are now using Zoom and uh, Adobe Connect, et cetera, for some, some synchronous activities. And uh, uh, you know, this, a, a similar but a little different model can work for schools as well. So, so you bring in private partners uh, engage them to set up those st uh, study centers and, uh, you know, you, you can solve the problem of, uh, you know, bring it, bringing down the cost of uh, education because... Uh, and, How many and, students do you have? Uh, we've got about 75,000 active students, but this is higher education. Uh, mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and and what, is, what is the cost? What is the cost for per student that you have? The, the cost... Per student uh, for a four-year program is a hundred and thirty thousand approximately for four years. Good cost for four years. Four years bachelor's degree. 
so mm. so that's and and you know we are self sustaining the best part is we are self sustaining we 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 only get 100 million from uh, hec that's all mm-hmm. so we are self sustaining so that's the beauty of the model mm. Mm. thank you fascinating fascinating yeah. fascinating i think what we'll do is we'll call you for a full webinar because we must understand this model more carefully but thank you very much you've explained it very well but we'll go deeper into it with you okay i'll return now to our round table anybody wants to say any last few things please tell me then i'll close the webinar anybody wants to say anything please deep saab can i say something ji please go ahead kon bol raha hai ji zulfikar so उनके Uh, curriculums and there is the rural population and then there is the urban population and there is the people who have low IQ because of nutritional problems. So all of these segments, you know, have not been properly defined in our school system, and all of them will have slightly different uh, needs in terms of content. So that is the role of the government that it can basically provide that information and for each of these information define slightly different SLOs and 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 क्या कहते हैं different uh, uh, curriculums and manage them that way. and and you know that's all that is needed then it's up to the private sector to come in um, in two areas the first is digital infrastructure digital infrastructure is not profitable beyond, beyond the urban areas okay i uh, uh, know this uh, so jazz and telenor and all of these people are not likely to go into the rural areas very soon with you know reliable 3g 4g service uh, that is required for the school system so there has to be some level of subsidization if the government wants to abs- uh, accelerate that particular uh, process so the easiest way to do this is to set up an economic model where the government is paying something like 100 rupees a month per student kind of a subsidy where you know the one of these providers for each of these particular you know areas is managing a tv set in a school system and delivering a particular uh, you know sort of internet that is uh, you know able to stream content so the quality and the maintenance and everything is the problem of the infrastructure provider and the government doesn't have to get involved except pay a you know particular subsidy for a period of time so infrastructure ko problem ko to aapne is tarah solve karna hai and the economics are as low as 100 rupees per student per you know per month kind of stuff i mean i you know jab aap negotiate karenge to is kism ke aapke kya kehte numbers niklenge the second problem is then of content ab content mein main cheez hai ki blended learning content produce karna hai according to these different uh, you know consumer segments that the government has kya kehte hain identified that also jisna ke mehboob ne allude kiya uh, basically you know 100 rupees a month 150 rupees a month is the kind of stuff you're talking about jo ke jiske andar teacher training bhi shamil hai jiske andar upgrade bhi shamil hai you know uh, content corrections we shamil hai sab kuch is the responsibility of the private sector provider and in pakistan you have to be realistic about it obviously it will be a phased thing so aapke paas iot ai shayad itni jaldi na ho uh, jitna ke developed countries mein hai so aapke paas speakers na ho because afford nahi kar sakte but the content management 
and teacher training and blending it into the system has to be the responsibility of uh, the, the person who is uh, creating the content. And government just needs to be the public administrator that it already is and manages this process. The market itself, because if it is a competitive process, every year the bid that comes in, they will it will have more functionality. It will have you know better and better futures. So we need to understand this, and this is the case that I was trying to build earlier. We need to get past this uh, argument: is technology needed? Is it not needed? Is it good? Is it bad? You know, the the the, the children have voted without any parents telling them, without any teachers, uh, uh, you know, telling them. Millions of them go to Khan Academy, go to Sabak.pk on their own, and they go there in increasing numbers every year. So if they didn't, if it wasn't working out for them, they would have left that particular, uh, you know, um, avenue. They keep on going on their own. So obviously they are getting benefit of it. You know, talked about the Iranian revolution. You know, I mean, what if a million people showed up? Uh, you know, is that not considered a revolution? Is that not considered validation? I think we already have the validation, and we already have this uh, private industry that can produce these kind of things. The government just needs to put the structure together. I think. Uh, you know there is ability, uh, there is opportunity for think tanks and and all of that to work with the thing. अगर आप ये बातें आप करें, they are not in the 20-30s of millions of, of dollars. अगर आप 75 million students की बात कर रहे हैं और आप इसमें ये भी include कर रहे हैं कि भाई वो infrastructure इसमें build करेंगे, so you run into the hundreds of millions of dollars. But it is still less than a billions of, of dollars. We still spend about 10 billion dollars a year on our education system and nobody is happy with. So अगर आप उसके अंदर एक half a billion का और क्या कहते हैं बजट बीच में डालना चाहें आई थिंक दैट समथिंग दैट यू नो द नेशन कैन मैनेज यू नो सो हमें इस किस्म की चीज सोचनी चाहिए अग्रीड अग्रीड टोटली नाजर शताउल्ला अनदर एजुकेटर फॉर्मर वाइस चांसलर बताइए नाजिश वेरी क्विकली आई नो दैट वी आर रनिंग आउट ऑफ टाइम टू थिंग्स दैट आई वांट टू से फर्स्ट ऑफ ऑल द गवर्नमेंट रन दिस टेलीस्कूल during this in this covid period i think that there should be an evaluation a serious evaluation done of that tele school to see how effective it was what were the outcomes uh, how many people actually participated in it and so on the second thing that i want to say is that pakistan television had or still has an education channel and uh, this channel was set up um, in the early 70s and uh, we know that the outreach of pakistan television is to every part of pakistan possibly every part of pakistan and i think that it would be wise to think about actually reviving this now defunct channel and to see if this would uh the content of of the channel of course is something that has to be thought through because in the 70s if we remember uh shweb hashmi did um, made akkar bakkar and uh, it was an early learning um, childhood program and even older people uh, enjoyed it very much and it was of course made with through song and music and performance and there was there was a lot of creative content that went into it so i think that we really should give this a thought why should that pakistan television education channel lie 
unused. Why can we not have uh, revitalize it in one way or another? And uh, of course, there's a digital aspect to PTV, but there is also the other aspect of PTV, which actually reaches everybody. So I think that uh, this is all that uh, I want you to put forward and perhaps other people have other views. Thank you, Do anybody else? Otherwise, let's close. It's getting late. Anybody else wants to say anything? Please, anybody from the round table? Uh, I just wanted to, to say, I just wanted to say that uh, teleschool is actually a bad example uh, uh, to uh, benchmark, uh, uh, you know, online learning with. Uh, in education, you need an interactivity. So broadcast, uh, uh, you know, that is well known that it is not going to produce the same results. And, uh, you know, uh, then if you have online, uh, you know, sort of stuff. So what I was talking about was a smart TV with an internet connection that allows, uh, you know, uh, assessments and, and these kind of things. So there is more of a personalized uh, education system which will have benefits, which will be demonstrated to have uh, benefits. By by all means, I think uh, tele school, uh, you know, has a lot to be desired. There is the government is working on a learning continuity plan, but it's not the same thing as online education. Just Bas Rashid sir, Bas sir, Sahi ke representative hai, run NGO for edu education for a long time. Bas sir. Gee, uh, let me just unmute. Uh, thanks. Uh, just very quickly, I'd like to endorse the point that Nazish was making. I think producing engaging content in Akar Bakar, I think, is a great example. So, and, and we have to keep in mind that for really young children, um, engagement is extremely important. So, so I think the whole idea of producing a content which is good and, and the Akar Bakar characters were, were wonderful. And I think uh, there is an argument to be made, and I take the point about uh, interactivity. Which uh, combination You can have phone-ins or whatever. You know, everybody pretty much has a mobile phone, um, and and so I think that aspect also needs to be kept in mind. The use of of television and radio, uh, because let's not forget that um, technology is is still um, uh, accessed by by a relatively small number of children. If we leave out the mobile phones, thank you. Fair point, ji. Okay, ji. If there's nobody else, then let's call it a day. We've had a wonderful discussion. I think number of very interesting things have been raised. Yes, technology is a solution, and yes, technology needs to be used wisely. And yes, there are a number of solutions that we can think of. That's why, in the summation of the last webinar, I said we need to have a learning approach and a creative approach to education. Unfortunately, the reason I don't uh, like to put dump, dump too much on the on the um, part of the government, because if the government is not capable of responding, what do I do? Should we wait? A lot of uh, times people use the word pragmatic. I think we also have to have a pragmatic approach. It's not that we don't want the government to take on the mantle of education. It's not that the education is not a right. It's not that equity is not desirable. But unfortunately, if the government is not willing to take on the mantle, then uh, what do we do? So and, uh, and one of the things that I have in mind is I will look to the government when the government starts using technology. Even today, there is no use of in, uh, email in the government. Even today, if you go to the government websites, they're also primitive. They don't update them even once a month, once in two months. There's hardly any content in the website. So I think quite frankly, we also have to be very realistic view of the government rather than say government should do this, government should. I know 
everybody is an economist in the country everybody is a public policy maker my grandmother was too my you know maid was too everybody knows what to do but the tragedy is as einstein said atoms don't think humans do think humans do have motivations human do humans do have incentives so unless we can get them to work together we can't that's the job of the government but if the government is not willing to do it seriously what do we do so that's why we talk about the market we don't we don't want to talk about the market from an ideological perspective the question is things are happening mahbub said very clearly things are happening and i think he's right we talked to 125 representative of 125000 schools yesterday he told us what's happening we will talk to private schools again um, a few months a few weeks ago we did something with the poor excluding the poor we talked to even to a transgender who runs business in islamabad people are trying people are trying very hard unfortunately the government is not capable of facilitating and the government is not capable of doing the thinking that is necessary to facilitate in fact the government comes along with a ham-handed regulation like getting rid of schools in islamabad and that would be a disaster the poor kids who are going there for 2000 rupees 3000 rupees will die so thank you very much folks this has been wonderful tomorrow hopefully the minister will be here and we'll just take up the government's role again and including the single national curriculum so don't forget to join us tomorrow at 7 and we'll take up education again thank you very much all the best folks good night khuda hafiz